Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. I'm Simon of Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode of Business Success and Coffee. Today I'm joined by uh, Ed, Ed Samuel, uh, who is a career coach. He's an author, a radio host, a certified assessment consultant team leader. Now there's a title if ever I've heard one. A ministry leader and founder of Sam Nova Incorporated, which is based in Philadelphia. Uh, his team's focus is to optimize careers, particularly for those who are working or in job transition across multiple functions and industries across the US. His services and the team services include career assessments, uh, resume writing, LinkedIn branding, uh, one-on-one job transition support, targeted job searches, attacking, or yes, attacking, that's the right word I've got there, attacking the hidden job market, Uh, Landing a job at 55 plus. Well, I'm heading that way. So uh, we might have needs of your services later on. And those looking to make a career pivot. Uh, He is an author of highly praised book called Optimize Your Resume, Do's and Don'ts. Uh, Ed has led uh, 300 plus executive networking forums, leads bi-monthly faith-based small business group as well. And his Philadelphia radio program. So I mean, a uh, good company here on the podcast uh, is on 11.80 a.m. WFYL and can be heard on Saturday mornings. Uh, Ed is a requested speaker on career optimization by a multitude of organizations, including uh, a leading university alumni forums, professional industry organizations and job and career networking groups. Uh, and he's also apparently... Uh, and we'll ask him more about this a little bit later on to give us some detail, frequently on regional and national cable TV and radio programs. So uh, you could be my first TV celebrity here, Ed. So uh, good to have you here on the podcast. You've also got 25 years of corporate experience, 25 years plus uh, of multi-billion dollar firms, uh, leading ed technology startups, extensive recruiting. So I get this right my tongue into gear extensive recruiting experience before launching his own career coaching practice 15 years ago so again i'm good company and my coaching practice myself has been going for 12 years so uh, i'm glad to have somebody picked me the post and got to that 15 years good to have you on the podcast ed i'm sorry i stumbled over a few words there it's the end of the day over here in the uk but i'm sure you're going to tell us a lot more about you uh, and what you do and how you work with people as well. So good to have you here today. Yes, Simon, great great to be with you. Uh, it's been a while since I've spoken to somebody from England. Uh, I actually did a, a tour of England for about four years and was in Birmingham uh, on and off uh, every uh, two months uh, for four years. So uh, that part of England I do know. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm not too far from Birmingham, actually. I'm probably about an hour's drive, which in the UK is quite a distance. An hour, an hour and a half is a good amount of distance, but uh, I'm sure to you, you know, that's just a hop, skip and a quick journey uh, to work. Uh, but what were you doing in Birmingham then? What kind of uh, work were you doing? Yeah, I worked for a, a competitor to SAP, the uh, uh, ERP uh, firm that's out there uh, called uh, uh, QAD. And they had a product called MFG Pro, which competes with SAP. And uh, I was uh, leading um, uh, a team in Europe and in Ireland uh, uh, and I was frequently over to Limerick, Ireland and to Birmingham uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So you heard a, a good Birmingham accent and a good Brummy accent then when you're in Birmingham, because they, they definitely they have a way of I always think because I've got relatives in Birmingham, they sort of sing when they talk, don't they? It's a very sort of uh, eloquent dialect uh, of, of English that seems to be certainly singing as they're talking. Well, absolutely. I also remember the uh, the houseboats uh, on the canal, the, the, the really narrow canals. Yeah. You know, and I, I walked many of them, uh, uh, and I saw a lot of interesting people living uh, on those on, the, yeah. on those waterways. So, 
Great. Well, it, it's a privilege to have you here and such a uh, an extensive bio that you sent me across there and, you know, such varied tasks that you work with and the type of people and the work that you've done. And we'll get more into that uh, very shortly. But to get the, the coffee part of the podcast started, and it's interesting you said before we started the recording uh, but it's good to speak to a, a Brit who actually enjoys coffee more than uh, more than tea, uh, and I certainly certainly do. But what coffee are you drinking today, Ed, and and why that particular coffee? Well, you know, uh, uh, I drink Sumatra uh, is uh, okay. and, and Sumatra uh, uh, it's 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 a kind of a dark uh, I would say rich uh, bold coffee. That's kind of the mm. You know, see, I made the mistake or the good fortune of going to Italy one year, a long time ago. And when I sat there in Italy and they served me a cup of coffee, it was at that moment that I realized I wasn't drinking coffee in the U.S. at the time. Uh, I don't know what I was drinking, but uh, their cup of coffee was um, uh, actually changed uh, my, my opinion of coffee. And, and when I came back, and this was a long time ago, uh, 25 years ago probably uh, 20 years, at least 20, 20, 25 years ago. Um, I never turned back. I walked away from some of the, uh, the weaker coffees and I went right to a, a stronger coffee. And uh, Sumatra is kind of my, my coffee of choice. And uh, I also know uh, it's one of those coffees where everybody loves it or nobody wants to go near it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I've got a question then because, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, you know, a great place uh, for coffee is, is Italy and Spain as well. You know, Spain, Seville has some great uh, coffee shops there and really, really strong coffee. Do you find there's a time of the day when you have to stop drinking that strength of, of coffee? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a big coffee drinker in the morning uh, and the afternoon. Uh, yep. But I would say, you know, come about four o'clock, five o'clock, yep. my coffee... Uh, my coffee uh, drive, you know, slows down quite a bit. Uh, yeah. And if I'm kind of really needing a boost, I might go to Starbucks and get an espresso or something. But that's that's kind of my window. But um, yeah, 99% of the day, you'll see me with a cup of coffee. Yeah, great. And the reason I asked that is I remember the first time I had coffee uh, in Portofino in Italy. And it was my first real sample of such a such a strength of coffee and such a kick in in coffee and it's not the taste is it it's the, it's literally you can feel the the strength of, of the caffeine and what have you in it and we went back to the hotel and we had it about probably about 8 a.m uh, sorry 8 p.m in the evening went back to the hotel and literally until about two three in the morning i was wide awake i could hear the, the birds in the trees, oh, I could hear yeah. the mice running around. It was, <laughs> I thought, yeah, I need to make sure I never drink this coffee this late in the evening again. So like you, I tend to halt my coffee around about 4 or 5 p.m. as well. Yeah, the, um, you know, and I know you only asked for one, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that comes in, a couple that come in second and third. My wife went to Ethiopia yeah. on a mission trip, came back with Ethiopia coffee. Uh, and I can yeah. tell you, I, uh, I, it, 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 they don't sell it as much uh, here in the U.S. It's not as common, but uh, that had a, a really nice kick to it uh, that I liked. Uh, and then uh, I'll favor French roast uh, when, when those other two aren't available. So that's kind of uh, my pecking order uh, of choice. Yeah, it, it's interesting you mentioned the Ethiopian and, and we, we were talking about Starbucks earlier and you just mentioned it just a moment ago. But over here, you can get Ethiopian coffee from Starbucks. It's one of the ones that's on the shelf. Really? So you, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's because it's more of a market for it. I don't know, but yeah, you can, uh, you know, get your beans ground or take it in beans, and you can get the Ethiopian uh, brands over over here in Starbucks straight off the shelf. Oh wow! Well, another reason to get a pack over to England. Yes, yeah. So how how do you take your coffee if, if they're your sort of three favorites? How, how do you drink your coffee? You know, uh, when I grew up, um, um, my father always took his coffee with uh, carnation milk and two spoons full of sugar. And I followed that path for a long time. And I've been married 44 years uh, uh, this year. Um, and only um, uh, probably seven, eight years into our marriage, uh, my wife drank it black. And I said, well, okay. I'm gonna, and, then, and then she actually weaned me away from... Uh, uh, carnation milk and sugar, and now I've been drinking it black for probably the last 20 years. But yeah. uh, 
once a year, twice a year, three times a year, I'll dabble with carnation milk and sugar just to say that I want to go back to my roots every once in a while. That you, you've taken you've taken me back there. Uh, I don't think you can get carnation milk um, over here in the UK. I mean, I remember you know having dinner with my parents, and we my dad always used to like having a slab of uh, of cake, and he used to pour carnation cream over over his you know carnation milk over his cake and eat this cake soaked in carnation milk. Um, and yeah, you've taken me a, a blast back to my past day and I haven't seen carnation milk for such a long while. I'm going to hunt that down now and make a note of that and try and hunt that yeah. down. But, well, in the US they sell it and it's more of a, uh, it's, they sell it in a can. Um, and, yeah, and yeah, we used to be the same over here. Yeah, yeah getting, okay. a, getting a tin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not seen that for so long. Wow, that's a blast from the past. So moving on to the, the the business side of things, and you know you've got such a, a a width and breadth there of experience that you've got. Thinking about something that is either recent or significant, what would you say is the the most significant or latest thing that you've worked on or fixed or evolved in your business? Well, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to give you one big one, and maybe I could throw in one one secondary mm. one if, yeah. if I could. Uh, but you know, the big one was um, the publication of my book, <laughs> uh, "Optimize Your Resume: Do's and Don'ts the Sam Nova Way." Um, you know, I was running a business for uh, 12 years uh, plus, um, and my wife was, you know, probably 10 years in, nine years in. You got to publish a book, Ed. You got to publish a book, and. But of course, you know, I'm married 44 years and, um, you know, still don't listen to my wife like I should, but, you know, she's usually right 98 and a half percent of the time. Yeah. Um, and then one day I went to a meeting with a whole slew of executives and I gave a talk and the president of, um, of a firm sitting there of a very large HR consulting practice, very, very large, uh, looked at me when I got done talking and he said, yeah, you better write a book. And it really dawned on me, right? And um, of course, it didn't go over well when I went home and I told my wife, uh, hey, this president told me I should write a book. And she's been telling me for three years. So it was a mistake. I made, I made that mistake. Uh, and I, and I, I have to live with that mistake by, by bringing that up. But, um, but what happens, you know, uh, for me is that um, when, when, you know, I started my practice, I started my practice, you know, based on a, a faith-based set of principles of somehow people need to be treated. And I wanted to create a company where no matter who comes to us, we help them in some way. Because I was in recruiting long enough to tell you that, you know, after five years in the recruiting business, um, 98 and 99% of the people that talk to you, you'll never help. You may not have yeah. talked to them again. And, uh, and that's the model, right? So there's nothing wrong with the model, but, but the model is, and these people need help. So that was kind of the, um, uh, the trigger that kind of launched me. But then what happened was, you know, you start doing things really, really well. And the next thing that happens is that, you know, you get 50 testimonials, 50 recommendations. Then you get 150. Then you get 250. Then you get 400 documented testimonials. Ed, I want to hire you and your firm. Yeah. People then start to say, hey, Ed, you got something to say. And you're only touching a handful of people a year. You better, you have an opportunity to touch a whole lot more. You better write a book. Um, and um, now up until that time, uh, those testimonials and those, and if you go to my LinkedIn page, you'll see a hundred and one just came in this morning from a, a client from New York city. In fact, I'm up to like 137 uh, uh, recommendations on LinkedIn. But so what happens is um, even with those recommendations, you get some credibility but, uh, and you're invited to speak, but it's, it's interesting. When I started looking at some of the other coaches, well-known coaches, career coaches, they all wrote a book and they seemed to be speaking at a lot of places and I wasn't. So what happened was I then said, uh, I'm going to write this book. Uh, and it was, it, it was tough. It, it was a very hard thing to do. It, it, there's nothing easy about writing a book. And I wrote a no. practical book. Uh, to help people uh, optimize the resume uh, and really uh, move their careers forward. Uh, so, so that, uh, uh, Simon, that, that, that kind of put kind of everything in motion. That book was published late last year. Um, and 
Uh, once that happened, a whole series of things started to cascade for me. Uh, one was my radio show took on more prominence and um, it's aired nationally across the U.S., even though it's based in Philadelphia, it's streamed live. Um, and then it's turned into a podcast. In fact, I'm, I've just approached my 50th uh, program, uh, I think, right. uh, last week or, or, or the week coming up. Um, but then what happened was um, now um, I'm being asked to speak more, not yeah. less. And then what happens is that you become a, a thought leader in something that you're an expert in. Um, the other thing that happened was when I put together the book, it actually be create, created a training ground for resume writers that I was able to bring on. So I've been able to scale my business up in terms of the resume work. Uh, now I have one, two, three, soon to be four resume writers uh, helping us with resumes. And of course, in the U.S., we call them resumes in Europe and other places. We call them CVs, but um, and, and, and the format and, and content's a little bit different, but uh, but I will, I, I will say this uh, uh, before I forget, 85% of what's in my book can, can relate and improve a European CV uh, so, uh, or a CV anywhere. So I don't want you to think that it's a, a U.S.-only resume book. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think they're common, in, common ingredients, aren't they? Wherever you are in the world, there are very key and common ingredients to a, a resume, CV, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and then what happens is that, you know, and the book is on Amazon and it has a lot of fa all favorable comments on Amazon. And we've gotten close, you know, we're approaching 500 positive comments about the book. And what's interesting, they say the number one thing is that it's practical. Yeah, it's step by step. Right. And, and, and I love to have something that's practical. Um, but uh, I also uh, price it in a way where it might sound high to some people, but I charge $20 US dollars for the book. Um, but that's the alternative, you know, and then $10 Kindle, uh, if you order it uh, via my website or via Amazon. Uh, but what's interesting is um, now I'm touching a lot more lives because there are some people who buy the book that will never hire a career coach, they will never hire a resume writer, but they might spend $20 on a book, right. So that's been part of it. Um, and then my speaking engagements have probably tripled, Simon, more than tripled. Uh, and I've been asked to go to other forums, larger forums. Uh, I was just interviewed uh, a month ago or, or two by uh, a radio host, a very well-known radio host in Chicago, um, and and it, that, that you know on a national uh, radio program, uh, uh, asking me about you know the book and and, and the journey. So, yeah. um, so something like this resume, you know, putting the book out. But you can't put a book out necessarily. This is just my opinion. If you don't have a following already, you don't have something where you can actually prove that the book is actually helping you. What you're saying is actually helping people. Uh, I don't think I would have gotten the traction if I put a book out and I had no recommendations on LinkedIn, but I had a really good book, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, now, the other thing that has happened, uh, this is all because of a book. Um, um, an organization um, in... Um, Tennessee in the U.S. had uh, purchased uh, the rights to take the book uh, and turn it into a resume certification training program that would be uh, ICF accredited, 35 some hours. So I'm actually working with them to develop uh, a certification program so that if somebody wanted to become a resume writer and become certified um, and the Sam, the Sam Nova way, not how all the others are done. The yeah. Sam Nova way, they decided to invest quite a bit of money in it. And um, we're working on that right now. So right. that we expect that to come out. Um, and then we're going to, they're going to do the marketing and we're going to try to touch a lot of people to approve, to bring more, more quality resume, resume writers to the table. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, that's, think, so that's all because of the book. <laughs> Yeah, and I think what you said, I mean, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions to, just to dig in sure. a bit deeper into this, and you're giving us a real good of how it was and how it was uh, after. It's interesting you say resume writers because, you know, you talk about the difference between uh, resumes and CVs. The one thing I think uh, we don't have, certainly here in the UK, are the, the writers. You know, we're expected to write our own. We're expected to look at the best practices of what other people are doing, find it out by more luck than judgment and put together a CV. We, 
we don't have those people that you just turn to and say, looking, I need to get my career on track. I need to get a new position. Can you write me a resume? We don't have that kind of facility. And to know that there's stification, I mean, that's, that's quite an achievement. So congratulations on that and getting that, uh, getting that interest is really good. So I'm interested to know more about the resume writers, but the, the other thing, and I think this is what I want to dig a bit more deeper into with you is that I meet a lot of people who have written a book. Some of them have got it on Amazon. Some of them are self-published. But one of the hardest things, I think, is getting the book out there. Because I can write a book, I can put it on a shelf, and nobody knows that it's there. Are there any tips that you could share with today's listeners and people listening to this podcast of how to get that book known because that's that seems to be something that you've done really well uh, and i'd love to know more about how you've done that well the uh, uh, i will tell you i have to be quite honest with you i was in virgin territory when i published the book in terms of this when you publish your first book uh, there's things that uh there's there's kind of a list of things that um I, I let people know they should do right away and things that they probably should avoid but but yeah. one of the things that i did do i did hire a book coach which is invaluable. So if, if and, and, and from a grand scheme of things, it's very, uh, it's not costly. And if somebody wants to charge you an arm and a leg, call me and I'll, and I'll recommend one, two, three book coaches uh, uh, to you uh, because it should not be that costly. But they've already published, they've already been there. They already self-published. They know how to market. And for uh, a little bit of money, they show you all the things that you could do to promote your book. But the most important thing is they will actually help you get that book published, which is just, you know, yeah. a challenge all by itself. You know, I'm part of uh, several uh, uh, pretty large entrepreneurial uh, uh, groups where there's a lot of people like yourself, Simon, and, and me. And, and, and you can, uh, it's just staggering the number of people. Oh, I'm thinking I want to write a book. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. Mm -hmm. But then you're absolutely right. Once you publish the book, then what do you have to do? So. So here's, here's the thing that I would say, um, hands down, has been the number one trigger for me, and that's you have to go and speak at a lot of places. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced the book signings uh, brings you, bring you, bring you uh, uh, a lot of uh, business. So I'm probably you know, not the, uh, the, the biggest fan of a book signing. I went to a few. Uh, yeah. And I got a couple of clients, but, you know, for the effort you put into that book signing. Uh, so yeah. that's that's number one. So number two is that uh, be uh, be a little bit more forward on your your um, your website in terms of how people can see and order the book. Uh, some feedback I was given early on. I didn't implement it, but some people said, you know, Ed, what you should have done is you should have created a separate website just for the book. So when people clicked okay. on it. Everything showcased. So if you go to my website today, you actually have to click on something with a drop down, click on the book, and then you get everything about my book. There's an argument that says, hey, make that a showcase separate uh, or tied uh, uh, dotted line back to your website. But so that was a mistake I probably made. Uh, I'm trying to fix that because now we're going to go on the third iteration of my website. I have somebody working on that right now. Right. So, but I would say speaking uh, is you can't, you can't, uh, uh, it's, it's tremendous when you speak, you know, uh, I spoke at an org, I spoke to an organization, let's just say there, I think there were 71 people attended a few, a few a month and a half ago. Uh, and I talk, spoke about the book, laid it out there. Uh, now, you know, that resulted in people making inquiries uh, and yeah. some purchases. So that's, that's, uh, Maybe it's a bit more organic that way. Um, yeah. Now, uh, the other thing. I, I, I think that's, I think, sorry, I'll just pause you there a second. Because sure. I think that's important, though, that you said there uh, for the listeners to to realize that it's speaking and speaking about the book. Yeah, I come across a lot of people who do guest um, slots. Uh, they present at, you know, chamber events or other other events. And they, they talk and then, oh, and by the way, just before I go off stage, I've got a book and some are available at the back. And the, the topics that they talk about might be related to the book. Very rarely they are, but they certainly don't talk about the book. They don't, they're not on topic of the book. And it's almost 
the fact that they are published author is mentioned as, as a as an afterthought at the end. And if you if you want to grab one of my copies, I've got some at the back. It it, it just feels like one of those cds that a busker has at the side of them when they're playing the music you know if you want to buy one they're here if you don't then you know who, who knows yeah. yeah you know and again you know there's, there's there's different thoughts for different people right one thought is that the book brings me to an audience we have a conversation and then what happens is that they understand everything else that we do and then they hire me to do you know they hire me our firm to do everything for them the book then becomes just a small piece of the resume process of a bigger yeah. piece that we do. So it pulls people in. Um, but, but resumes are a funny thing. Um, um, there are people that purchased the book, read the book, and then they still hire us to do the resume because they can't literally do it. And it's yeah. no different sometimes, I think, than somebody who wants to get in shape and I want to go to the gym. Um, yeah, they could yeah. read all the books in the world, <laughs> but... Uh, if, unless they hire a trainer to help be there to show up and get it done, um, yeah. uh, sometimes it's not as, as simple. Um, the other thing is that, um, um, at least you know, we, we found is that um, when, when we're working with, um, uh, but, but, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to digress. I want to go back to the um, uh, the, the question you had asked me before I uh, uh, go go down a different path here. Uh, I invested some money. And I had um, reached out to 6,000, 7,000, maybe it was 8,000 people on LinkedIn. Mm. Um, and thinking, oh, this is, I'm going to get a lot of book sales from this. And I spent quite a bit of money to do this, right? Yeah. Laid the whole thing out. Uh, I'm, and I did not get uh, a success rate. Uh, I reached out to 7,000 people thinking, okay, you know, what happens if 2% buy the book? That's 140 people. Uh, yeah. And, and, and guess what? Maybe 10 bought the book. I go to a forum and I speak in front of 50 people. At the end of that forum, I'll have my books there and I'll have half of the room lined up to buy the book right after I speak. See, there's nothing can compare to comparing a person's heart as they're speaking about this book that they published that's there for them in person. Uh, you can't compete with print advertising to think that that's going to fix people buying your book. Uh, so uh, I'm a big fan of speaking. Now, this COVID-19 thing is really throwing a wrench into things because all my speaking, face-to-face -face speaking engagements have gone virtual. And the problem with virtual, they don't get to see me up close and personal. Uh, they get to see me but or hear me, but but it's not uh, it's not the same. And, and although it's having some impact because we're forced to now, um, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's, it's a little bit less of an impact, but, uh, but for me, uh, when I publish my next book, I'm going to go on a speaking tour, not a book tour, a speaking yes, tour. Speaking tour. Um, yeah. and that's probably, again, a mistake I, sh I, I, I made, I should have blocked off a month and I should have went to, you know, 20 different U S cities and spoke at an event about my book. And I probably would have gotten more traction about the book that way. Uh, than if I hired all kinds of marketing people. Uh, and, 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 and the other thing is that I've had people reach out to me, hey, Ed, you know, send me your book for free. I'll evaluate it, put it on my website, with all my other books, and people will buy your book. I'm, I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. Um, uh, I, I haven't seen any amazing success because someone's going to be my wholesaler for my book and put it out there. Um, uh, so, you know, for me, it's been a learning process and, and I've got some scars, some battle wounds from it. Yeah. Uh, I've had a lot of success, though, speaking. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking in um, a, a group masterclass that I was holding just this afternoon uh, for some coaches. And we were talking about promotions and affiliates and getting that dream people to connect to. And one of the things that I mentioned in, in that session was over here in the UK, we used to have some really good chat shows. And the chat shows on TV were really informative. They were deep. They were trying to get into the people. And I think there's only one. There's probably only Piers Morgan who does one, which is still in that old format. All of the other chat shows are basically people who have a book coming out, a record coming out, or a film coming out. And they're just doing, as you say, the tour they're doing the radio shows they're doing the tv shows 
and they're talking about themselves to get that connection, but all they're there for is to promote their book. And the chat show are just bringing in their audience. You know, if Dwayne Johnson uh, promotes anything, my wife's there straight away because she loves the guy and she, she'd watch anything with Dwayne Johnson. So they're using it to attract the audience into the show, aren't you? And the people that are guests are using it to promote their, their book, their film, their song. Uh, and they do those tours, don't they? Just as you say. Well, you know, it's um, so many lessons learned. Um, uh, you know, in my next book, I'm just going to get, you know, a, a lot smarter about it in terms of how I market it. And I probably will. Uh, I might work with a, uh, a different book coach and have them uh, uh, help me with the marketing in a broader sense. But uh, but I'm, I'm still going to avoid the, the book signings because it just takes a huge amount of time and I just don't see the, um, I think if you're retired and, and you're, you know, it's a memoir and you want to go to your local bookstore, Barnes and Nobles and, and sit there and yeah. chat with some people. I mean, it, if it's that kind of thing, you know, hobby like that, I understand, but not for what I do. No, no, definitely not. You, you mentioned earlier on, and obviously in, in the bio, um, you mentioned uh, your, your, your faith-based content and your, your ministry. Uh, I'm interested as as well uh, to find out how you uh, connect the the faith side uh, of you to the to the business side and perhaps even even the book. You know, when I write blog posts uh, and and articles, I try and include uh, yeah my faith. I try and refer to scripture in certain things, uh, and it, it's a delicate balance, isn't it? Of you know, trying to influence people to to think about things that are faith based. Yeah, any tips with the listeners you could share for that? Yeah, there's a uh, a few thoughts on this, right? Uh, one is that if you read my resume book, uh, you'll, you'll you'll people will then know right on the first or second page I'm a person of faith, right? Um, and like yep. it starts to get it gets fundamental. Um, when I worked for for-profit companies and I worked for different organizations and I worked for recruiting firms specifically, um, um, I just hate, I just hated the way people were treated. Um, and for me, how people get treated, uh, it's just so important in terms of, uh, whether, whether they hire you or not, doesn't really matter, but you know, you want to mm-hmm. treat people a certain way. And for me, that's fundamental in terms of the faith, you know, um, and, 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 and I want to make sure those fundamental beliefs are, are brought into my company uh, and that uh, uh, whether it be a resume writer or, or really anybody that I work with becomes, uh, it becomes pretty important that that's, uh, that's an element of it. Um, I don't, um, but I don't put it out there. You know, I don't put the Bible out there and, you know, right on my website when people log in. Uh, what I try to do is I try to show uh, how I treat people uh, fairly uh, um how I treat people with respect, how I help people, how I support people, and how I pray for people as part of our practice, uh, my practice. Uh, uh, rarely have I ever had anybody say, don't pray for me yet, because uh, right. we, can't, we can't do all this by ourselves. And as soon as I make it all about Ed, all about my company, then I'm starting to kind of move away from my faith. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of amazing stories I could tell. I could talk for hours, days on success stories where where uh, things happen that uh, I wish I could tell you, I, I, you know, I was, you know, I, you know, I was the one that triggered it, but it's amazing to see uh, the Lord at work uh, helping people. Uh, and for some people uh, it's perseverance. It's some people it's resilience. Uh, they've been out of work a year, a year and a half, two years, and then they find me, Hey, can you get out and get back to work? There's some really tough cases out there. Some people, uh, you know, have prison records Ed. I need to get back to work. I need to get to work. I want to, I don't want to do uh, manual labor my whole life. Uh, you know, I'm a college grad, graduate. Uh, I made a mistake. Is there life after, you know, uh, is there another life for me or, or am I just, you know, doomed to uh, manual labor my whole life, right? So we get really, really tough cases, not just executives making 500,000 and I'm thinking about, you know, a career change. Uh, uh, now there's, there's everything, you know, you know, in between, but, but I, so I try to bring the faith uh, uh, to the, to, to, to bear that way. Um, one thing that we do, which I, I you alluded to it in, in, in my bio, I'm a, um, a career assessment team leader. 
And, um, and I lead a team of over tw uh, 25 people across the U.S. I actually have one person in Zimbabwe, believe it or not. And I just spoke to somebody in England who was contemplating joining the team. And what this is, is for many people, we will not work on their resume if they can't answer this question. And the question is, what do you want to do next? First chapter in my book is, what do you want to do next? Because if you're not sure what you want to do, we don't want to take your money and work on your resume. We'll let another resume writer do that. That, that we won't do. So what we do is we'll have them go through an assessment, a very detailed assessment, 550 questions. That assessment is underwritten by a faith-based organization that cares about the whole person. Yep. Nonprofit. And it looks at personality, looks at your interests, it looks at your skills, and it looks at your values. And values is where we bring, there's a component in values where faith is brought up. So it's it's just an amazing tool. Um, and um, and that's why people continue to join my team. And I'll be honest with you, I don't, this isn't like some network marketing thing. This is just uh, yeah. For every every assessment my team does, I get twelve dollars. So this isn't something that Ed's going to become mm -hmm. pay his his, his 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 bills based on it. But it's, so for me, it's more of a calling. And then this team is touching lives. So our team collectively, I mean, we've touched uh, close. We're going to be approaching five hundred lives that we've touched to help people get to a better place to bring out the best of them as it relates yeah. to what they want to do in their life and their career. And once they know where they want to go. We're happy to work with them on their resume, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So that's another part of where my faith comes into things in terms of, uh, um, you know, in the, in the U.S. today, and I've been in these jobs, it drives me crazy when I see people hire people and what they ask the people to do is bring out the very worst in them mm. when, in fact, they're not asking them to bring out the very best in them. And I scratched my head and said, why did you hire that person if you just want to leverage their weakness? You that's, should that's, never that's hire a global them. Problem. Yeah, that's a global problem. Uh, you know, there's so many organizations out there. that, And I've, I've got one at the moment that I've been talking to this afternoon. Exactly that. And I think, you know, why, why are you... They, they've gone away. The business owners have gone away for two weeks into the Maldives and they're expecting these people to run the company whilst they're away in such a way that, as you say, brings out the worst in them. These people are really at conflict because they don't want to do it because it doesn't fit with their values. And, and they're, they're so, they're, it's, it's a real battle, isn't it, with these people that they're facing each day because of that. Now, what's interesting is that because I, because I do this every, you know, every day, there, there, there's, there's a yin and a yang, if you will, on this. One part of it, I'm going to blame the employers for doing poor interviewing. On the flip side, there are career coaches that actually coach people to tell the interviewer what they want to hear. And I'm actually going to be talking um, uh, this coming Sunday evening as part of a, a, a three-person uh, panel, if you will, uh, about authentic your personality and authentic interviewing. I'm a big fan of authentic interviewing, not packaged interviewing. There's a lot of coaches out there that do packaged interviewing tied to the job description, tied to a whole bunch of things. Uh, I just want to make sure that uh, when we coach people, when I coach people, it's authentic so that that mistake doesn't happen. Because, yeah. look, if you want a salesperson during this interview with you, I'm going to tell you, you know, um, I like, you know, I'm an analytical person that loves to sit in the cubicle and crank numbers, but I'm not going to be out there selling anything. But if you yeah. try to, uh, and then if you don't want an analytical person, then don't hire me. So we're not in a situation where you've hired me. I, I faked everybody out. You've hired me. And then guess what? Uh, you're getting fired in six months or you hate your job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. so these assess, so for me, part of optimizing your career is trying to find something that's bringing out the very best in you. Um and, 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 and in our careers, we make these different pivots and changes and things happen to us. Sometimes it's proactively, sometimes companies do it to us, but no matter what mode you're in, you have this opportunity to try to get to an even better place. And that's what we try to help people do. And for me, that's a faith-based approach, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, not a 
hey, I want to get back to work and make X dollars. Well, yeah, yeah. we'll help you do that too, but that's not our motivation. Yeah. Moving on from what you've just said there then, and yeah, the listeners that are listening to this podcast, if you could give them a tip, and I'm sure there are listeners listening to this who are either going to help somebody, um, perhaps with interviewing, they might be um, actually looking to move career themselves. Any of those listeners that are in any process of career change or the career recruitment, if you could give them one lesson or one tip that the people today listening to this can actually take away and do something with, because I, I agree with you, it's not just about the knowledge, it's about the implementation. What would be one thing that you could share with the listeners today? Well, I would say the, um, um, I, I could tell you about um, um, two things that become uh, uh, pivotal uh, in, in today's world. One is that, uh, at least in the U.S., and I think, in, I think in Europe as well or across the U.S., the first page of your resume has to be a home run. Mm -hmm. uh, there's way too much thought being a resume can only, should only be one page. A resume should only be two pages. We're focused on the wrong thing. Uh, I, I, I led a, a recruiting team for a multi-billion dollar corporation, hired 3,000 people. I'm just letting you know, when the first page of that resume is a home run, we bring the person in for our interview. We're, and sometimes what happens is the very best of what people have done is on the second page, and then it never gets looked at. So be careful that the very best of what you've accomplished kind of gets presented on that first page of that resume to draw people to you. That's one thing that uh, it's a common mistake uh, uh, where, where I don't see that happen as much. The second thing is uh, LinkedIn, um, um, 75 to 80% of recruiting firms and hiring managers are using LinkedIn to source candidates. So if you say, hey, I don't have a LinkedIn account, uh, that's okay. But just understand, you just put yourself in a grave disadvantage. And the first half, the first third of that LinkedIn page better be a home run and it better be aligned to your CV, your resume. And if that's done poorly, you run the risk of not getting attracted or found by other people as quickly as you would like. Uh, those are just two pieces of what I would highly recommend people to focus in on. Uh, and, I, and I completely agree with, with both of those. Uh, but for the listeners to touch on what Ed has just said there as well, it's about the consistency. And this applies not just to resumes and LinkedIn profiles, but there's nothing more annoying than if I see a Facebook ad and I think, wow, this is great. And then I go to the landing page and it looks completely different or it's not, it's not consistent. And it's the same, you know, if I'm going to look at somebody's resume and I'm going to check it out on LinkedIn, I want to see consistency. I want to see something well, that looks the same. If I see something that's a different style, that's completely different, then I'm, I'm going to be disconnected with that person, aren't I? So I think that consistency is really, really important for listeners to pick up on as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I dedicate an entire chapter in my book around the issue of consistency <laughs> and standards uh, on, on a resume because it's so... It's, it's, moving, it's moving all over the place. So, um, but I think the, um, um, I'll throw one more, just one more quick one in here is mm -hmm. that the number one issue on resumes, I talk about this all the time. The number one issue on resumes is that people will mix responsibilities and accomplishments together. It's like spaghetti sauce. We put it in a pot, we stir it around and we put some bullets down. Yes. It's a bad practice. Make okay. the reader clearly see what was the breadth and scope that you were responsible for and what did you accomplish? Chapter six of my book talks about A through Z ways to document and quantify your value proposition, your accomplishments. Um, yeah. And, and, um, and that's one of the reasons, you know, when we do resumes, we're not necessarily cheap. We're not the hundred dollar resume writer, 49.95 resume writer. Well, we had a we had a client recently. We spent seven point two hours with that client just on their resume, just wow. to get it right. See, when you're making one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, whatever you're, you can't spend enough time getting that right because you may only have one shot to make an impression to a recruiter, a retained recruiter, a hiring manager, the president, CEO, whoever. You want to get it right, um, and that value proposition needs to be pronounced. So, going back to uh, my third. My third comment is make sure those things are separated 
and it's easy yeah. to understand yeah. and read. Yeah. And I think it's like sales, you know, confusion loses a sale, you know, and confusion in any document, whether it's a resume, uh, whether it's a value proposition for, for perhaps a project that you're pricing, the more confusion, if it's, if it feels confusing, then it's not going to convert, is it? Definitely not. Yeah, you so, know, I, I, I was in Phoenix, Arizona uh, a few years back and yeah. uh, somebody called me up, hey, my dad uh, needs to talk to you. And, and I, so I, I said, okay, I'll make some time to talk to uh, talk to him. And he goes, hey, Ed, I just wanted to chat to you. And, you know, I didn't get this job. Um, and I said, what was the job? It was a district leader uh, for Home Depot. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this guy was incredibly qualified when I saw what he did. And he goes, well, yeah, I was, I was pulled out of the process. And I said, well, what's going on here? Well, I tell you the truth. Uh, they told me I was pulled out because, uh, of the spelling errors on my resume. Yeah. So even that is an example of here's a job, a hundred thousand dollar plus job, uh, where that, where, where the leaders there pulled the leader, this particular role is a leadership role, they pulled them right out of the process because they said, if you can't, if you have this many spelling errors on your resume, what kind of quality commitment are you going to have when you join our firm? Probably the same quality effort, right? So yeah. this yeah. thing about a resume and a CV and getting it right, it's a branded image of you. It's, it's a value proposition, but it's a branded image of you. Same thing on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, completely. So before I ask the, the final question, which is back to the coffee, uh, you've talked about the, the book and, and the chapters in the book. Just remind the listeners of the book title, where they can get it from, and also how they can best reach out to you. How, how's the best, what's the best method for them to connect with, with you as well? Sure. The, um, well, you know, the name of the book is Optimize Your Resume, uh, Do's and Don'ts, The Sam Nova Way. You can get that book on Amazon um, okay. and in, uh, in paperback form, and you can get it via Kindle. So um, uh, if you're in the U.S., you can order it from my website. Uh, and um, because of COVID-19, it's been some delays, as, as we can imagine, on shipping things. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think they're getting better. Uh, they used to get it within two days on Prime on, on, on Amazon, but now it's yeah. – uh, so. Uh, now, go to my website. My website is www.samnovainc.com, samnovainc.com. Uh, that's one way, uh, and you'll see a drop-down. Um, yeah. you, know, you also, on the front page of my, uh, my website, you'll actually see my latest TV interview. If you want to know okay. how, or, how or why I became a career coach, you'll see uh, yep. a 25-minute segment. Uh, so that's been, that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing I would recommend is that for those listeners today on this podcast, connect with me on LinkedIn. I have 24,000 direct connections, so I have 6,000 more to go before LinkedIn will, will, <laughs> will put the clamps down. But all you have yeah. to do is type in Ed Samuel, Ed Samuel, S-A-M-U-E-L, on Google, and yep. put down Career Coach, LinkedIn. I'll be the first page of Google. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Once you connect, you Perfect. can communicate with me that way. Perfect. And that's how we connected. So uh, absolutely. So you've given us lots of things to to think about. Uh, and I think you know some really important things, not just about uh, resumes, but also for the listeners, some ways that perhaps if you have published a book or you're thinking of publishing a book, you know, look at a book coach, you know, look at how you can touch more people. And, and I'm fascinated, you know, I've, I've got some people I know that have published books, and become best-selling authors. And the one thing that drives each of them is their passion to touch more people. And I think you've explained that very well today, Ed, that you know that is your passion to touch more people, not just through the book, but through the ministry and through the things that you've talked about as, as well. So thanks for sharing those tips. To the final question then, uh, when is your next coffee going to be? And, and I'm gonna change this a little bit because of lockdowns and different restrictions. Sure. If you could have a coffee in a dream location, what would that dream location be? So when's your next coffee going to be? And if it was in a dream location, where would that dream location be? Well, you know, uh, it'd probably be at a, um, a, a large, a well-known university, uh, maybe Princeton, uh, maybe an Ivy League school in the U.S., maybe, maybe one in Europe, uh, but uh, where 
uh, alumni meets once a year. And these are people from all walks, from all lives, small business owners, to people who are just graduating, to people who are in job transition. And I love to be able to walk in front of that uh, podium in front of a thousand people and explain to them how to optimize their career, whether they're a small business owner or whether they're uh, just you know somebody in corporate America uh, yeah. or you know and, and, and everything in between. Uh, because I think that audience is such a great audience to talk to because it touches just about every aspect. And when I spoke to uh, uh, Wharton uh, University, uh, for University of Penn Wharton School alumni uh, earlier in, in 2020, um, I was blessed to have a lot of people, not just in the U.S., but around the globe on that mm-hmm. call virtually. Right. But yeah. that would probably be, you know, an audience I'd love to talk to again. Yeah. And of course, as you stand at the podium, as I've got my standing sort of podium here, you would have your coffee on the podium there uh, and best drink the coffee. Absolutely. Uh, now, whether it has Starbucks on it or not, I'm not so sure, but, <laughs> but, it'll have, but, I, but I will try to uh, get that Sumatra in that cup. Perfect. Great. And, and it's important to get those favorite blends in there and, uh, and make sure that we... Yeah, we don't just drink coffee for for the fun of it and because it's trendy. You know, nearly every person, whether it's been coffee, tea, any other drinks, yeah, it's always being about the flavors. It's all about what we enjoy, and it's the one thing that we can be in control of, isn't it? The coffee we drink. So, uh, thank, yeah, you better, thanks for yeah, 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 yeah. No, you better believe it. And and if you come to my website again, uh, you'll see it a, a section called events. So, if anybody listening yeah. wants to see where I'm speaking next, this coming Sunday and then next week. A group in New York City. I'll be speaking a large group in New York City. So um, you'll people are you know more than glad to jump in and, and listen. Yeah, great. And the website is again. So it's uh, www. Sam like Uncle Sam S A M Nova like the star N O V A I N C dot com. Sam Nova I N C dot com. But you got to put the www in there. Fantastic. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, I know the listeners will have taken some good tips and some good lessons to to take some action on away from today's podcast. Uh, I hope that you have taken some benefit from this and realize that this is part of my mission, as it is with Ed's, to help businesses around the globe to touch more people, uh, to make them more aware, better educated, and of course, it's fun to talk some coffee as well. Uh, thanks very much, Ed, uh, for joining today's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And listeners, thank you for taking part in it as well and listening to it. Thanks so much, Simon. Cheers. Okay, take care.